Hi everyone, and welcome to The Seed Podcast, part of our teaching ministry here at the Central Church in Fayette, Alabama. The Seed exists for one reason only, and that is to lift up the Word of God in order that Jesus Christ might be known and worshipped as King. We invite you to join us now as we dive in to today's message. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us great grace and great peace as he works his law out into our lives. That, that's the path of life, is walking in his law. And he doesn't expect perfect per, perfect per, performance. Excuse me, I'm struggling with the peas this morning. <laughs> he doesn't expect perfect performance. Thank goodness. Um, he expects us to turn over our hearts to Him. And it's our joy as He takes our hearts and He molds them in alignment with His law. Exodus 14. Exodus 14, you have one of the most dramatic rescue efforts ever recorded in any book you might pick up and read. Exodus 14, you might remember how about over 2 million Jews, it's estimated, come out of the land of Egypt, 10 great judgments have been rained down on Pharaoh and all of his land. And they come to, to the edge of the Red Sea where there was absolutely no way. Armies that were too great for them behind them. They were slaves, not warriors. And a great sea in front of them. And you remember how they walked across the bed of that Red Sea with a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. And how those waters crashed over Pharaoh's armies, and they were all killed, and Israel was set free. Free at least on the outside, not yet quite on the inside. The whole rest of the Bible, Exodus 15 forward, the balance of the Bible is the story of God freeing his people on the inside, that they might truly, completely be free. Now, the first leg of that story, it starts in Exodus 15, kind of 15 through 19, you have the first little leg of their journey out of Egypt, and it's this, it's like walk and grumble, walk and grumble. That's all Exodus 15 through 19 is. We have no water, God gives them some water. We have no food, God gives them some food. We have no water again, God gives them some water again. That's Exodus 15, 19, until they get to the base of this mountain. Mount Sinai, after about three months, three months of walking, they come to the mountain, and God wants to do business with them there. He tells Moses, have all the people wash their clothes, come before me with reverence and honor at the base of the mountain on the third day, and I will speak with you there. And, and in that moment, we have starting in Exodus chapter 20, God does something that he never had done before and had never has done since. The one and only time in all the scriptures, God from the heavens speaks his law to his people. Every time before, every time after, he's spoken through special men and women, prophets, who are raised up to take what they hear from the Lord and deliver it to the people. Moses and then many, many after that. But on this one occasion, God speaks from the heavens to his people. And we have their response. Right here in Exodus 20 and verse 18. 
Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we'll listen. Don't let God speak to us, lest we die. Now, this is tragic, given the fact that the story starts, Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, with man walking in the garden in the cool of the day, perfect union, God speaking with his people. It was a loving, life-giving thing. But now, something ugly has come into the picture, sin. And to hear God speak now, they think they're going to die. Don't let God speak to us again. He spoke ten commandments in all. And then God relents and he does what they say. Okay, I'll, I'll speak through Moses. It's almost like God wanted to speak his law to his people, his lips to their ears. And okay, Moses can hash out the details. Moses takes the laws of the Lord as he receives them and he writes and he writes and he writes. But again, it seems like this was one assignment that God wanted to fulfill himself with his own finger. He writes the ten and gives them to Moses, the Ten Commandments. All these things take place about 3,000 years ago, give or take, and still today the Ten Commandments are foundational to Christian faith and practice. And so again, we're going to take this law and we're going to talk about it today and for the next 10 weeks following. God seemingly connects heaven and earth. Again, the only law God ever spoke from his lips to his people, these ten. It's like they connect heaven and earth. And we're going to introduce what they are this morning. And then we're going to talk about each of them individually following off from that. So the first thing that I want to say about the Ten Commandments is by way of introduction this morning is that Jesus himself teaches and honors the Ten Commandments. Jesus himself teaches and honors. This is a sticking point for a lot of Christians because, well, is this just for the Jews? Is this for us? There's some scriptures that go this way and some scriptures that go that way. I'm not really sure what these mean for us. So, so we need to start here that Jesus actually teaches and honors the Ten Commandments. Many of us are familiar with what Paul said. Paul said in Ephesians 2 that he, Jesus, Jesus is our peace. He has made both that's Jew and Gentile. He's made us both one by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. I was taught from a very young age that we don't follow the old law anymore because it's been abolished by Jesus himself. And that includes the Ten Commandments. Paul goes on in another sister passage. Colossians 2, Ephesians 2, they kind of read the same. Colossians 2 and 16, he said, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Uh, on what things, Paul? Well, in questions of food and drink. There's a lot of food laws in the Torah. In questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, feast of booths, feast of tabernacles, feast of Passover, all, all these festivals, or new moons, or a Sabbath. That's number four. That's a big one. Don't let anybody judge you in according uh, with reference to these things. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, we were taught that we follow Jesus and not the 613 commandments of the old law, of which Paul mentions a few here, and which include the Ten Commandments. That's, that's what I was taught growing up. At the same time, and those passages we need to listen to, at the same time there's other passages. 
We listen to what Jesus himself says. Matthew 5 and verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus expects us to do and to teach the law, including the Ten Commandments, as we follow Him until heaven and earth pass away. Another passage, Luke 10. Luke 10, a lawyer comes and asks him, what is the greatest commandment? What, what shall I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? What does the law say? The man says, well, it says this over here in Deuteronomy. It says this over here in Leviticus. And Jesus says, that's right. That's what the law says. Do this and you will live. Keep the law and you will live. Matthew 19, Behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what's, what good deed must I do to, etern- to have eternal life? He said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. In reference, Jesus just listed out commandments 4 through 9 almost in order. He's referencing the Ten Commandments. Do these and you will live. So, Paul, Paul says that the law is abolished. It's not binding over Christians today. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And over and over again, he teaches people, keep these and you will live. Keep these and you will live. Which is, which is it? What we have to do here. Because we've got several different passages that are in tension with one another. We need to hold on to both of them and try to figure out how they're working together. We cannot read Jesus without Paul. We cannot read Paul without Jesus. And so this morning I want to kind of work with you through this, this question. How do we receive the Ten Commandments today? Have they been abolished? Have they not been abolished? And how do these passages go together? It really boils down to two things. Two things. Number one... The law is abolished as man's way of salvation. In Jesus, the law has been abolished as the means of salvation. Leviticus 18 said this, God said, you shall keep my statutes and my rules, and if a person does them, he shall live by them. You will live. You will have life if you keep the laws and the rules of God. But it doesn't take too long to figure out. I figured it out. I think you've probably figured it out too. I can't keep them. I mean, I try. I do pretty good. I'm, I'm not out there murdering people and stealing stuff. I'm, I'm doing pretty well, but I'm not doing perfect. I don't think anybody does. And, and if, if the law says that I will live by keeping these rules, then, well, Paul says you're under a curse because you don't. You don't. I don't. Nobody seems to have it down. Not perfectly anyway. So Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. The law cannot save you. The law says, if you keep all these, you'll live, but we don't. And after that, the law has no answer. Well, then I guess you have to die. That's what the law says. 
God had to do what the law could not do in sending Jesus to save us from the curse of the law. He gave us his perfect ways. They are perfect. But nobody walks it out. We all fall into sin and death. And so God saved us through Jesus. That does not mean the law is wrong though. Paul says it's, it's good. It's holy and righteous and good. There's nothing wrong at all with it. It's not a bad law. It's just we're bad people. We were not capable of doing this perfect law. It can't save us. And so Paul says we are freed from needing to keep this law in order to live. That's one way in which things have changed. Number two, ceremonial rituals of the law have been rendered unnecessary by the ministry of the Messiah. Many of the laws in the 613 of the Torah, they relate to ceremonies and rituals of a culture that is bygone and is not for us today. Um, sacrifice, animal sacrifice. Well, we don't need to make animal sacrifice anymore now that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from our sins. Those laws concerning animal sacrifices, they're not relevant to those who have been set free through Jesus. Many of the laws are like that. They, they relate to ceremonies and rituals of a bygone era. Again, from Colossians 2, Paul said, dietary laws. Don't let anybody judge you according to your food or your drink. Laws concerning feast days, laws concerning ceremonies of the Jewish culture, these, these are not the abiding essence of God's law. They relate to a time and a place and how God wanted them to live then. And so you might have heard it put this way before. God's law, the 613, are made up of ceremonial laws and moral laws. You'll find both of them in there. Laws pertaining to ceremonies and laws pertaining to morals. The morals remain even though the ceremonies may come and go. The ceremonial law was given for the Jewish people, but the moral law abides for all people in all places. And chief among the moral commandments are the ten. The ten that God spoke from His lips to our ears, that is the core, the essence of God's moral law. The, the, the ones that He said, I want to speak these myself. I want to write these with my finger. This, this is the core of it all. Matter of fact, many of the rabbis taught that the ten were ten headings under which all the rest of the 613 fell somewhere underneath those ten. You go through all the laws of the Torah and you can find one of the ten under which they all pertain. Philo, uh, one of Jesus' contemporaries, uh, said this. So, so Jesus honors the law. He doesn't abolish it, but, but he has set us free from having to keep it in order to go to heaven and he has freed us from certain laws which were pertaining to the ceremonies of that day and that time, but that do not pertain to our, our life and our practice today. Another thing about the law, the Ten Commandments, they are the path of life for a liberated people. This is the best perspective, the best lens to, to, to look at the law. What is the law? What's it trying to do? It is the path of life for people who have been set free. In the garden, before the fall, man was free to just walk with God and, and love God and have a relationship with God. Adam and Eve didn't need a whole list of commandments, do's and don't do's. Just be God's child. Just walk with Him. Just have a relationship with Him. He, he was with them in the garden. They didn't need a list of rules. Then sin comes into the picture. 
Sin breaks us. Whereas I naturally love to do what God loves to do because I'm created by Him, I'm wired up in His image, sin comes into the picture and now I, I have desires to go do other things. I have desires to go away from God. And whereas it wasn't necessary before, now God comes down and I've got to explain it to you. This is what life is. This is the path of life. Follow these and you will live. Go any other way and you're going to find brokenness. You're going to bring death upon yourself. Either way that you, you go, the, the Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20. They are in Deuteronomy 5. Either list that you pick up to read, they both start this way. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. God freed his people, took them out of slavery. And, and he said, now live this way and don't go back into slavery. The Ten Commandments are the path of life for people who have been set free to stay free. But you go against these ten and you find slavery all over again. Don't worship any other gods before me. God knows you give your heart to another god, it's going to lead you back into slavery. Don't commit adultery. Adultery, I can tell you, it's slavery. It binds your heart up into darkness and brokenness. Jesus says, don't even lust. It'll take you there. Don't murder. Violence, it's going to lead you back into slavery. Not only are you going to get locked up in prison, but the, the, the bitterness and, the, and the, the harshness and the hatred. Jesus said, don't even hate. That'll lead you into slavery. Over and over again, Sabbath. If you don't worship, if you, if you don't observe a Sabbath rest, you're living like a slave. All of the ten, they're the path of life. I've set you free, now stay free. Don't go back again into slavery. Live as people who are free. We are drawn, we are drawn back into slavery, but God has given us his law as the path of life. No, do these things and you will live. Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy is the second telling of the law when Moses is reminding the people of all the things that God has said to them. These things, this is the law. I want to remind you before you go into the promised land because I, I can't come with you. But I want to remind you. Deuteronomy 30. Listen to the pleading of Moses here. He says, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, you will live and multiply. Do that. Live. But, but if your heart turns away, if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, you're going to die. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. As we learn to embody the Ten Commandments, what we're doing, we're casting off the chains of the enemy. The enemy wants to shackle us back up again with hatred. And the Ten Commandments say, no, choose life. He wants to shackle us again with lust. No, choose life. Shackle us with covetousness. Choose life. Choose life. Don't go back into slavery. That's what the Ten Commandments are. But here's the last thing. Because as I said, that might be what we want to do. But the enemy's just too good. 
The, the, our, our flesh is just too weak. That might be what we want to do, but time and time again, we go back against the Ten Commandments. We go back against God's law. We go back again into slavery. And the last thing that we need to know is we can't walk this path alone. This is God's path of life. Do these things and you will live. But even as he says that, we need to know we can't do that. Not alone. We have to have help. We have to have great help. You can't just commit to the Ten Commandments like you're committing to a New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to read more this year. I'm going to just get myself together and disciplined and I'm going to clean my house more this year. It's, it's not like that. It always fails. This effort to be holy as God is holy always fails. Paul said, I tried it. I failed. But what does Jesus say? He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from the Spirit of Christ living inside of you, you can do nothing. You can't keep the Ten Commandments. You can't walk the path of life unless the Spirit of God is living in you and, and guiding and training and sculpting your life in the image of Christ, in the likeness of God through the Ten Commandments. Think back to Israel again. Israel stuck in slavery. They can't save themselves. They can't get free. What does God do? God doesn't just come and give them a law and say, you do these things and you will find freedom. It doesn't work that way. God saves them first and then gives them a law and says, this is the way of freedom. It's the same thing for Christians today. We can't keep the law and do the right things in order to find freedom. We must be saved in Christ first. And then he gives us the law and shows us the path of freedom as we walk out his ways. I love this illustration by C.S. Lewis just to kind of close on this. It's like when you're teaching a kid to write. Any of you guys have young kids that you've already kind of started teaching them their ABCs and, and how to write? You don't just show them letters and say, okay, do that. Here's your name. M-O-L-L-I-E-C-H-L-O-E. -L -L -E. Here it is. Okay, now you do that. What do you do? How do you train a kid to write? You take their hand in your hand and you make the letters with them. And as you do, it takes years. They're still kind of scrawling for years and years as they get better and better and better at it. But you start by making the letters with your hand through them. That's what the Spirit of God does with God's laws. As He lives through us and He trains us in righteousness and he makes us more and more and more like Jesus and I'm 40 years old and I'm still scrawling but it's getting better. The Holy Spirit is, is guiding us in that direction. That's what we have to have. It's not just an option. It's the only option. The Spirit of God living through us. Otherwise we might kind of surface level make an attempt at the commandments but it's, it's not. It's not in here. It's not. We must have sanctification. That's the process of the Holy Spirit training our lives, living in us, working God's law deep into our hearts. We must have that. Or in other words, we must have our Eden hearts recreated. We've been broken by sin to where we're not just naturally God's children. We're naturally ours. Naturally, I do what I like to do. 
but I have to have that Eden heart restored where I can just be a child before him and love him and be in relationship with him. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. The Ten Commandments in that way are not just a list of rules to keep. They are the way of life that the Spirit is creating in us. So next, next week, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We're going to walk the path of life together. If you would please pray with me. Father God, we, we, cut, we confess first and foremost what we are because we know that you know what we are, but we must speak it. To have the starting place right, we must speak it ourselves. We are broken. We are inclined to our own natural desires, the desires of the flesh. We are inclined to break every last one of your commandments. If we could get away with it, if there weren't any repercussions to pay, Father, that's the way our hearts would trend. We thank you for every way in which you have stopped us from doing just that. Whether it's been by good people, our mothers, our fathers, church leaders, friends, teachers, who have trained us along the way to do what is right, Especially, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that trains us in what is right. Father, we want nothing more than to completely live out your law. But Father, we confess that there's still brokenness in us. There's still more work for you to do. And so, Father, we open up our hearts and we just pray that you would continue to work your law into our hearts. Because we know that is life. In every other place that we turn, we only find slavery Never freedom, always slavery. Father, teach us to love you wholeheartedly, that we give you our whole selves, and you create in us your whole law. Father, I pray for this, this series ahead of us, that you would bless us in each and every one of these Ten Commandments, these commandments that came from your lips to our ears, that you wrote with your finger, the core, the foundation of every other law that you have ever given. Father, I pray that you would teach us to know your commandments in a very special way. Not just know them in our heads, but know them in our hearts, such that we know them in our behaviors, in the way that we walk. Father, we pray this knowing that it's not our power. We don't ask you to teach us, as in a classroom, your commandments, so that we can remember them and go out and live them out through our own power. Father, we pray that you would have your hand on ours. That through your spirit, that you would live your commandments through us by your power. We trust in your power. We have no faith in our own. Father, we pray that you would do this not just so that we might receive the benefits of living good lives, receive the benefits of rewards at the end of this age. Father, we pray that, that through this life that you live in us, you would be building your kingdom here in this place. That you would be reaching through us and sending us on mission so that you would be glorified by more and more and more sons and daughters as they come to you. Father, I pray that you would use us to send us on mission and to send us on ministry as we serve this community, living out your Ten Commandments here. Father, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And now as a church family, we pray together. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We thank you again for joining us this week at Central, and may the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified in your life today. Thank you.